if you're the leader and listen to this, you're probably leading something, you know, ask yourself or maybe put it this way. I am fill in the blank. And am I willing to stand like that? Like I'm bold. Like, am I willing to like own that? Might be true for you naturally. Might be aspirational. Like I am bold. Like, let, okay, good. Like, what is that then? So as a leader, uh, if you're not willing to stand as your core values, don't fake it. Don't put something out there that you know you're lying about. Welcome back to part two of our conversation about our team's core values here at Take New Ground. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Dan, Adrian, and I continue our conversation on core values We explore the remaining three core values that dictate how our team is with each other. The reason that we wanted to do these two episodes was so that you could see a working example, not only how we came up with our core values, but how we use them to make the decisions on how we're going to interact with each other or our clients or the community around us. Once again, this is part two of our conversation. So if you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to hit stop now, go back and listen to the previous episode, so that all of this makes sense and you have the context for this conversation. Now, for the rest of you, let's dive in. All right, so we're back. This is the second part of Core Values. But wait, there's more. Uh, So I want to get, we want to start, Just we're just going to jump right in, final conversation with the final three um, Core Values for our team. Last, Last episode, if you didn't hear it, we talked about generosity, generous, and accountability. And we also did a, a bit of a setup of what core values are for us. If you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to push pause on this and go get the context which we uh, approach core values first and then come listen to this second. So now, bowl. This is one of my favorites of our core value uh, because it, it calls to me. Like it is, it's not my natural state. And so it beckons to me. It's like that thing that like, when I see our list of core values, the spotlight always lands on that one um, because I, I'm so drawn to it. I love the I love boldness. I love participating in being bold, and I'm and I have my natural propensity is to to not be. And so uh, I'm so grateful for this one. As you guys think about bold, what is it that you what what is it that you see or what comes up for you? Good question. I, I, I'm a little bit, uh, one of the ideas that just came to mind, let me give this before I jump into the answer to that is, as I'm like thinking about core values, this will help folks too that might not have listened to the first one, but please go back and listen to the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, these ought to be, they're, they're not nouns, first off. They're not nouns. They're ways of being, right? So, and if you're going to like generate core values for the company, uh, if you're the leader, and listen to this, you're probably leading something. Ask yourself, the, uh, you know, ask yourself, uh, or maybe put it this way, I am fill in the blank. And am I willing to stand like that? Like I'm bold. Like, am I willing to like own that? Might be true for you naturally. Might be aspirational to your point, Chad. Like I am bold. Like, let, okay, good. Like, what is that then? So boldness for me, so I get, let me do the punchline. The punchline on that is like, as a leader, uh, if you're not willing to stand as your core values, don't fake it. Don't put something out there that you know you're lying about. And, so. and if you fail at it, 
that's not the issue. You can always, you have something to true up to. So that's right on, right Right on. So boldness, man, boldness is like, uh, I don't know. It's a little bit like no fucks given, like that whole thing that's going to come out and get cultured, like just decided to go all the fuck in. Like I'm bold, right? Like I'm just all in. Like I, and, and we know this, we know this as, as you know participants in life and we get around somebody that's like fully there like not holding back at all those are the for me at least the most attractive people to be around that's why i love fanatics i love people that are all into something i don't really care what they're into i i am attracted to folks that are like all into something mm-hmm. and so bold, bold for us is so the essence of it is that like being full participation like all there yeah. Number one. It's it's not like loud or no centric or any of that sort of stuff that you might think of in the in, yeah. Yeah. It's Keep not about it. Words. Yeah, it's not about aesthetics at all. It's about it's about level of commitment. You know, we talk about this thing mm-hmm. called the commitment commitment ladder and the top of the ladder or the the place that's the most powerful rung to be on is the very top, which is I'll do whatever it takes. Like no matter what, I'll do whatever it takes. Like people that are coming from that conversation, like living in that conversation, that type of kind of reckless abandon. Like I'm fully here and I'm going to be bold. So in the, in our practice, you know, with clients in trainings, even in team meetings, it's like, I'm going to decide to say what's probably like, you know, what's most uncomfortable. What do I not want to say? I go say that. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what do I think's really needed here? Like what's the feedback that I could like not give the person, but I can, instead I could just pause and just at least explore and like have that. So it's like, there's a risk with it. Like there's a relational risk involved. There's a, you know, we're making decisions. We're taking monet, you know, monetary risks, like investing in something that we've not been done before that generates uh, a higher level of experimentation. Um, and, you know, and, and so it's like both, you know, physical boldness, let's go do that. And it's relational boldness really where, you know, we see the biggest ROI is like it, how we are with people. I, I warn them all the time. I warn potential clients all the time that this is that 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 they and I are going to have a really weird relationship in the sense that uh, if I do my job right, it'll be like one they've never had before because I'm going to say things to them or make observations of them or challenge them in ways that are really impolite. You know, like don't fit the norm of like what what like a, a nice quote unquote nice person says to another person, and and but I'm coming from a place of generosity, like we talked about last uh, last episode. But I'm gonna go ahead and say it for the sake of their future and for the sake of the integrity of the relationship. And I could be wrong about it, but at least I'm gonna go ahead and say it and like let it be tested out there and see what pings back, see what might be true. So it's to be a provocateur in that way. Mm. You know, to provoke something like to generate somebody to have some kind of epiphany, some kind of insight, some kind of breaking point, like to generate, you know, it's the, I was just listening today to this, uh, I guess his interview with Shia LaBeouf, Buff, whatever his name is, around, yeah, and he was talking about, he was talking about rock bottom in his own life, and it's not like rock bottom is when things get really bad. Rock bottom is when you decide to transform, when it's like, oh shit, I'm done. Like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired or whatever cliche people say. It's like, no, damn it. I'm putting a line in the sand and I'm shifting right now and making some kind of new choice. So 
boldness is about that. It's about like igniting people at the, in, in general, I guess, it's, I guess I think it's this way. It's being in a conversation with yourself and other people that generates a crossroads mm. where people get to see they can take this turn or they can take that turn, but we're not leaving until you make a turn. Was that the Real Ones podcast? Yeah. So boldness, like be all the fuck in, you know, that's the tagline. Be all the fuck in. Yeah. Be all the fuck in. Can you want to add there, Dan? That was, uh, yeah. No, I, I would it just that when you say boldness, I think about what makes it a, what makes a team effective is their willingness to be bold with each other. I think about yeah. the training room when people walk in the training room. Yeah. One of the things I'm constantly thinking about is how to, I'm going to give myself. What's it going to, like, what are the mm. things I don't want to give? Well, I got to be prepared to give those, right? There's no, I, I work to a place where there's no conversation I would be unwilling to have. And, and mm. meaning I'm willing to be on the end of somebody probing me as deeply as I would want to probe what they're up to. And yeah, that's a big deal. And to respond wholeheartedly, I think is the hallmark of boldness. Right? Mm -hmm. Like all in. This is what I yeah. This is what I got right now, right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking stand. Really, that's we, Adrian talked commitment. It's same deal. Stand. That's the only thing that makes a difference. That you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes, and I'm willing to be. I'm willing to be. I'm willing to miss. I'm willing to fuck it up, in order to find out what it's going to take to have it turn out. Yeah, I I think. I mean, I don't know how many other coaches listen to this podcast. Probably not many. Uh, but I think about why most coaches suck. It's because of this, is that they're usually only willing to talk with people that they see themselves better or smarter than. And, you know, everybody that I coach is off the charts brilliant. They're off the charts committed. They're off the charts ambitious. They're off the, they're off the charts in lots of these things. And if I wanted to, I could talk myself uh, into being insecure about that. Because they might be, you know, like I coach several world-class scientists and I'm not as smart as they are in their field and I won't ever be. And so what? Like, that's not what I'm here for, I, you know, but all that to say is like, it takes a level of boldness to put your best out there. It also takes a level of boldness to put your lack out there. Yeah, I don't, you know, even when I'm in a conversation with some clients, they're talking about things, they just fly by it because what they're stating to them is is like so pedestrian and so simple to them. And I'm like, hold on a second. What does that mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. And that takes some boldness to like, you, you know, humble yourself in that moment. And not mm -hmm. that I always do that, especially when I was a rookie coach, man, I'd act like I knew shit. I was always Googling things. And they're talking all their acronyms. I'm like, I have no <laughs> idea what they're talking about now. The more that I get through it, I'm like, hold on a second, you totally lost me. What does that mean? Yeah. And it takes some, it's, so boldness and ironically, I guess, or maybe paradoxically, it takes some, it takes humility to be bold. Yeah. You're either going to be a chess piece or a chess player. And to be a chess player, you have to be bold because you're going to expose yourself. When you play chess, you expose the way you think. And, and then you get the chance to see where the, where the weaknesses are. And then what, right? Like that. Yeah. It's like, you talk about that, Dan. I think about it's so funny because we we did a little trip to the to North Cal uh, Northern Cal California. We 
just like hung out for a couple of days, cooked some food, had a good time. And then it so happened that the, the resort that we were hanging out at had risk at the, at, at the resort. And I remember being excited at the prospect of playing risk with you guys and very insecure. Like my thinking is going to be exposed here. <laughs> and if I jump in the game and I'm, and I'm putting it on the line and I, it, you know, and, and I had some options, like I could play like, Oh, I don't really care if I win, man. This is just like hanging out and playing a game. I could play that game so that when my, you know, when poor thinking was exposed, I could have an excuse for it or, you know, all of that sort of, but that's not bold and I wanted to be in. And so anyway, it's just, that came up. That was a raucous game, boy. We went after it in that game. <laughs> so we did. It was also my first time ever playing it, right? So I had that excuse. Oh, I, did, I didn't have the new excuse. Um, all of that sort of stuff. So anyway, just think about that. Like, oh no, I'm going to go in this and I'm just going to, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to, I'm going to go for the win. I'm going to be exposed. I'll be vulnerable. And uh, anyway, it was so fun. Vincent was really bold. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, connected. Number four is connected. Um, I don't have an intro for this one. I mean, I, it's so much of what we've talked about already is the experience of being connected. Uh, I would, I, I got some. Yeah. Think empathy, not sympathy. Think empathy. To be what do you mean by empathy, Dan? Uh, thank you for the tea. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be bold and take it. Um, it I mean, I to really be, it, it, and it connects to all the other values, but if I'm going to be, uh, to be empathic means to really understand your perspective, not agree with it, not feel for you, not be sympathetic towards you, it, but to understand what you see, what you value, why you see what your whole worldview is. The more I can see that, the the closer I'm going to get to the idea or the experience of being connected because I'm going to understand how you see the world. And if I see that, I will have, I'll be able to communicate what I have to you in a way that you could actually, actually hear it and we can connect on it. You may or may not agree with it, but you will be able to connect. One of the things I learned from John Hanley, the guy I used to work with at LifeSpring, one of my first mentors, I'll never forget, I was wrestling with this guy in his training room and he pulled me aside and he says, he's plugged in and so are you. Unplug yourself and then he'll unplug. And they go, what do you mean? He said, you're so busy trying to get him to see your point of view, you can't hear him. If you go hear him first, you'll be amazed at how much he'll be able to hear you. So why don't you turn it into an inquiry instead of a statement? Like that little interaction, I'll never forget it went into my body. And I went I went right back out on the floor and got in curious about him and started getting empathic. Even though I didn't agree with a word he was saying, I started to understand what he was saying it for, why he was where he was at. I could understand the decisions he made. All of a sudden, my need to argue with him and make him wrong disappeared and I could present what I was seeing for his consideration rather than his uh, conversion. Uh. That's empathy. Empathy is I, I could have, you, we could have different points of view and I can 
So I'm going to be okay with whether you agree with me or not. And I can hear what you have to say and draw from it. Yeah. Yeah. A distinction that I noticed in myself around empathy and therefore like I've been talking with it around people. I think the, you know, common view of empathy uh, besides sympathy, I think that's definitely the like, you know, to agree with someone or to feel the way they feel. That's like typically what people call empathy. That's more sympathy. Uh, and most of what passes as empathy is really criminal um, because you don't even mean it. And you know you don't mean it, but you're putting on a show. It's virtual signaling. And it's like, oh, let me go agree with this person, which you don't even agree with. So it's like total right. bullshit. So anyway, <laughs> so besides that, the, uh, you know. Got that out of the way. Okay. I feel much better. But really what I was noticing, what I use, what I would usually call empathy is actually this, the answer to this statement. If I was in their shoes. Yeah. You know, and I think people naturally project themselves. If I was in their situation with their background, what would I do? That's also not empathy. Mm. That, 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 uh, tease us up to be more advice giving and actually comes from a naturally you know, because usually we're usually telling ourselves we're better than that person, you know, as a subtext, like, you know, because they're dumb. And what I would do if I was in their shoes and we give all this advice. And that's also not empathy, you know, because that's like what I would do. So I'm bringing my worldview into their context and, and then advising them or, you know, uh, describing it from what I think I would be doing. That's also not empathy. So I think the pure empathy is what you're talking about. What's it like for them? You know, that's what I ask myself when somebody's mm. doing something that I'm judgmental of. If I can pause for a second, unplug and say, hold on, there's, you know, we always say in the, in the trainings, like nobody makes a stupid decision. They always make the best decision they see in the moment. Well, that's what always sparks this empathy for me, by the way, is thinking about that question. Well, I wonder right. what thinking got them there, that, that it was the best decision that they see. And that's the connection right there. That. Because the minute you can, once you start to see that, you connect. Yeah, uh, right on. And you you can look from their view. And there's nothing more empowering to other people when they know you you can see what they see. Right on. I, mean, I interrupted you. I apologize. I just wanted to put a pin in that, that that is a marker for me. It is. It is. So, you know, so if I, if I am in judgment of someone, if I need to, if I was a leader and want to go correct something right away, most people are going to go deal with the surface level issues and just go tell them something to do, do or do this or don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's less effective. It's less effective than sitting back and thinking with someone around how they're thinking about things that naturally generates that decision, that naturally generates that behavior, that naturally generates those outcomes. Like how, like getting back to the source, getting back to what's fueling this view that generates these decisions, that generates these outcomes. So Anyway, I'm, I'm, go ahead. I was going to say, and you know that you haven't been empathic if you're playing whack-a-mole. So meaning you hit this mole, then the same, the same problem in a different context shows up over here and you're just running around because you're at the surface level. You haven't really connected with where they're coming from because when you do, you're going to be able to speak into it because they're going to get you connected. And if you're worried about your credibility, the most powerful way to get credibility is to connect, is to be empathic, even if you don't agree with the person. If you listen to Jordan Peterson, he is a master at that, <laughs> just connecting with somebody who has a different point of view in a way that when he presents his point of view, they can consider it. Yeah. 
And there's a couple other aspects of connected that come up for me. One is, um, and this one is really mysterious, um, and it, it will sound really weird when I say it, um, which is, life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate? What's effective and what's ineffective? What your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. To be with the person in the moment they're in. So, you know, if we do this all the time, we talk about this in the context of trust and our trainings all the time. And authentic trust is to be with the person that they're, to be with them in the moment that they're in right now. Uh, what we naturally say to ourselves is, oh, I know Dan. Dan's like this. Dan does these types of things. Dan cares about X, Y, Z. And I've got a historic view of Dan that if I don't watch myself, I'm going to be in this moment from my historic view of Dan. Now, mm-hmm. that, we, don't get, we don't get a vote on this. Our, brains, our brain is naturally creating a context and a construct um, and, and we don't vote. This is always going to be happening. We can overcome it by listening and by asking questions around what's happening right now in this moment and what might be true now. So, so that's another part of connected is be connected with the person that uh, in this exact moment with what's going on and really separating myself from all of our history together even, you know, because that's usually sets people up to feel betrayed, sets people up to feel alone and isolated is because I'm in a conversation with somebody's history and not with a conversation with a person that's here right now. So that comes up for me. And then also, um, not to go without saying like connected also means to connect with yourself, like to, to, to have a discipline and a process in your own life that on a, on a, you know, moment by moment basis, all the way back to at least, you know, on a very regular basis. I'm, I am wondering about what's going on for me. Mm. Like what is really going on for me? You know, um, like on the, I guess it was the last episode was talking about, um, giving an account for the, the, the kind of mood that I've been in and the, 
the situation I've been in this last, you know, three months and some significant family changes going on. And it's like, I need to, don't keep cruising through another month, man. Slow down, connect with yourself. Well, what's really going on? Instead of just kind of living in survivally, it's like, no, no, what's going on for you? And talk, first off, be aware of that, but language to that, you know, process it yourself, wonder about it. What are the upsides to that and the downs, you know, the prices I'm paying and the, and the payoffs I'm getting for all that. And then also being willing to offer it to someone else so that maybe someone can, you know, be connected to me. Because I could, I mean, I, I spent decades of my life connecting to other people, quote unquote, really um, listening to them and do, doing all those things pretty well, but, but had had a persona up of what I wanted to look like and what I wanted to feel like, an all very aspirational version of Adrian. But then I offered that to the world and really unconsciously, most of the time, I would think, just put up a, you know, we talk, we say like people wearing a mask. Um, and then, but if I'm going to wear a mask and like put out my, put on a good face, then that mask is what's going to get the care, concern, affection, affirmation. And if there's something else going on for me behind the surface, there's no chance that that stuff is going to get reconciled and remedied and, and all that. So it's like part of connectedness that I can have with someone else is it's definitely a two-way street. And am I offering an opportunity for someone to connect with me where I really am right now? You know, so, and that's a vulnerable state. I mean, that's a take some risk and take some willingness to trust somebody to let them know what's really going on. Well, you find yeah. out who's over there. That's for damn sure. Right on. Right on. <laughs> right on. For, for, for better or for worse. Now, I, I, I mean, the, the culture that the culture that we're surrounded by, the popular culture that we're surrounded by right now calls this self-awareness. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, I, I would say that's what they're pointing towards when they talk about self-awareness. But really, I love this idea of like connecting to yourself. What is it that you're, how are you participating? Yeah, that's one thing that I love about the Revenant is that you you can't go very long. Well, maybe you can, but I couldn't go very long without evaluating how am I participating? Who am I? How am I showing up? And that's a that's a reconnection with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's such a that's such a powerful process. All right, finally, uh, one of my favorites. They're all my favorites. I don't even know why I'm trying to classify them as which ones are my favorite and which ones aren't. Resilient, uh, resiliency. As we talk about, you know, all of the there's there's challenges along the way in all of these. Yeah. And how do we get? Are we? How are we willing to get back on the horse and ride again? Like how wh- how are we being in the process of falling, failing? going through challenge, uh, having obstacles, how willing are we together? Like, how willing am I to go again with you, Dan, or Adrian, when we miss it or I miss it or, you know, that sort of thing. And that, that to me is the context that it kind of encapsulates all of this is, are you willing to get back up and go again, man? Yeah, it's uh, the word, when you bring the word, you know, when we talk about resilience, I think revenant, the word revenant means to come back from, right? Yeah. To return from, uh, and ultimately the ultimate return from is to turn and come back from what should have killed you. You come back stronger. Nishi, mm-hmm. right? Nishi talks about that. And th- th- that resilience requires boldness, connectedness, 
you know, giving an account and generosity because you got to keep going. And I think particularly for me, I'd been married now with my wife, 43 years, 48, married 43, together 48. And there's so many times when I thought it was dead, but because of both of us or one of us was willing to get up and go again and and open up the it's like an open hand right you give a bid you bid for a new possibility and no matter what people say you go again i just finished reading lift off which is the story of spacex and it's really great to listen to you want to talk about resilience it must have died multiple times died at least three times and came back right and and uh if you you really get a sense of Elon Musk's uh, resilience when you and the team he had around him in reading the book, it's just really well done. But I think it's I think resilience is one of the most I think it's well as a matter of fact there's there have been actual studies, and Don Miller talks about this in the work he does. There are studies about what stories make the biggest difference in the human psyche, and the story that makes the biggest difference that stimulates the brain more than any story. Is the story of the comeback, the the revenue, and mm. that you know we all are inspired by that. We're inspired by somebody who can be knocked down, get back up, and go again, right? Mm. I was I was wrapping up at my last coaching call with one of my clients today. It's been a three month engagement, and we were talking about she was really using the last couple of minutes to talk about and and debrief our experience in the coaching, which I was really grateful for. She was talking about the difference that it had made. And uh, she just, you know, she said, we had to postpone our call to this month from last month. We were supposed to wrap up last month but because of some issues. She, we needed to to push it off. And she said, I'm so grateful we pushed it off um, because I had my performance review. I had my quarterly performance review um, in those days that we, between when we had pushed it off. And um, she said, I got some really low scores on some things. And I was so excited because those represented, from our coaching, those represented opportunities rather than threats. And I'm so stoked to go again and and find opportunity there. And, you know, she's like, I don't know how to describe that. What is that? I was like, that's resilience. That's, you know, that is choosing to be resilient in a moment of, that's feedback. So good for you. I was just so, it's such a, so poignant for me right now. It's that resilience. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about a SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. But if you really think about it, weaknesses and threats present opportunity in the, in, depending on the context you're in. And so to get somebody on board who's willing to look into the weaknesses and the threats from the future. They are going to see them as opportunities, which is very distinct from somebody who's looking from the past, trying to preserve themselves from something happening that they never want to have happen again. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, um, first of all, this is all just great. I get so stoked. Can we do this episode? Can we just talk about core values every episode? This is, I know. I'm, really, I'm like floating over here. Um, yeah. You know, it's it, a couple things come to mind with resiliency. It, first is like, there's so much here. Um, you know, wanting a challenge, 
like you know the willingness to, I, I was just i you know googled as we're talking here around like you know webster's dictionary or whatever um it, it calls it able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions i think that's an interesting interesting definition um two things come to mind one is if i am resilient you know uh bring it on like it's difficult great I'm I'm yes. built for this. I'm built for this. You know, I, I remember when I was going through a big life transformation seven years ago, I just kept, you know, it was hard. And I just kept saying to myself, thank God I'm me. Mm. Which is my way of, of like affirming you, that I've got what it takes to meet this moment. Whatever this is going on and all the challenges that I was going through, it's like, thank God I'm me because I've got what it takes. And I don't know what the path is here. But I know that I'm not going anywhere. I know that it's going to get, I know that the future is going to be better than today. And so I'm just going to stand right here. And I know I do, it's not a big mystery of what it takes, you know, for uh, to, to be resilient. That's not a big mystery of what it takes internally. What it's going to take mm-hmm. externally is usually a mystery because we don't know yet, you know, and I'm going to run a series of, of experiments. Uh, but I know for myself, I, I do know what it's going to take, which is going to be, you know, some clarity conviction. I'm going to be grounded. I'm going to be open, resourceful, lots of these other things, internal conditions that will generate what looks like resiliency to somebody else. You know, so, yeah. So anyway, the, Why don't, so I, I was going to say, get detailed about that. Aid. Um, about what happened or about what, yeah. what I mean? No, just about what you mean there. Oh, uh, what I mean is, um, when I, so let's see, what do I mean? I mean, handful of things. If I'm going to be resilient, I know that I need to get really slow down. I need to get really connected to myself, first off. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get connected to myself on what do I really want? Like, what is the future that I want and that I'm committed to having happen? Um, That will be the lighthouse in the midst of the storm. Like, the future that I'm committed to creating despite what's happening in this moment, despite the current weather conditions, I know what I'm up to and what I really want. And I know the why behind that, right? So it's connected to something meaningful, something that's worth my life, something that's worth my legacy. So that vision is going to be the lighthouse in the midst of all the fog, whatever metaphor you want to use, first off. Second is, you know, I, I'm going to get connected to really what's happening right now. And for me, I'll just say for myself, uh, I tend to, I tend to undervalue my own experience. And I'm really thinking about feelings. Like I tend to really uh, don't question. I don't even wonder about it. And that this can be a way in which I don't set myself up for, for satisfaction is slowing down and like getting connected to what's happening right now. Like I, I don't even register sadness very often, but I feel sad a lot. I just don't stop and say, wow, I'm really feeling sad or I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling these things that can be so kind of in some ways duty driven or in some ways just like on automatic because I'm just going to go. Going is like the, the um, you know, the nonstop as I'm just like keep pressing forward. And so part of like resiliency is is connecting to my own internal condition, because if I'm not doing that, then I'm going to use externals to kind of deal with internals. So I really do need to get connected to what's happening for myself and then do I, the question of like, do I have what it takes? For me, that answer is always yes. Now, do I have what it takes to do it alone? Most of the time, no, I really don't. But that, but that's not a problem 
because I actually exist in the context of really meaningful relationships with very talented people. So like when I say like I'm resilient, I really mean I and my whole tribe are resilient. Like me plus the X factor of all the commitment and brilliance around me, that makes me resilient only because I'm actually living as a piece of a network of amazing people that are loving and committed and, and brilliant. And together we can do whatever I'm facing. You know, in most of the er eras of my life that have been more, uh, more extensive suffering is when I waited way too long to ask for help. You know, so that's an aspect of resiliency that, I mean, I, I, I say this to clients all the time that like the answer to any of my, the answer to any of my challenges in life is usually one conversation away, which means that like whatever I'm facing internally, externally, from a physical perspective or even metaphysical perspective, you know, it's usually when I start opening my mouth and asking, started making requests and getting advice and getting perspective from other people, uh, you know, that I can utilize that in order to really um, move myself to the next level. You know, so well, I think about myself as a community. Yeah, you're, are you schizophrenic? You got multiple people. Amen. Amen, man. <laughs> uh, I, you know, when you were talking, it triggered a couple of things because we live in a time when I think resilience has never been more important, at least in my lifetime, as it right. is now. I mean, you think about resilience is often, is often contextualized in the term VUCA, right? Right? Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And that, right now, that's exactly what we face in the culture, not just here, but around the world. And you're either going to be, you're either going to kowtow or react to it in a way that you find yourself running from, hiding from, disappearing, or you're going to stand. And in order to stand, in the volatility and the uncertainty and the complexity and the ambiguity that we're going to be, that we're currently facing and it's going to get deeper. You got to have something worth standing for. Mm -hmm. And that what, that's what makes me resilient is uh -huh. that there's something of meaning I've given meaning to that means more than, it means more than my comfort. It means more than looking good, feeling good, being right, being control. And that's what produces the resilience in me is that I'll get knocked down and then while I'm laying down, I'm thinking, well, if I lay here, that's not going to happen. So I'm going to get back up or if somebody's dogging me or, you know, whatever, am I willing to stand up and connect in a way that opens up the possibility? And what's going to come down the tube, I think, in the next year or two, because no problem lasts forever, might be three it's going to be a huge test of character for everyone, everyone in our culture, because we're going to be challenged with uh, the volatility of things changing, changing in ways we don't like, changing in some ways we may like a lot, but it's going to be uncertain because the complexity is not going to be easy to deal with because we've never seen it before, this type of complexity. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so where we stand is going to require how I break the ambiguity and decide, decide where I stand in the situation and then right on. work from there. Yeah. It's coming. The, yeah. There, there's an aspect of it here where, um, I remember a moment, remember, um, I remember having this conversation with Jenny, Jenny from Jenny's ice cream and she was up against some d difficult situations. And my invite, I think I'd heard this from you in a, in a call, Dan. And I, I remember I just said it to her and man, it landed. 
and which was, um, you know, I, this is going to happen because I say so. Which is like this idea that like I as my identity, I as I get to define myself, I am greater than any of my circumstances. You know, and I, I and it, you know, I just think about it in a very personal sense, like even me as a father, you know, like there's nothing stopping me after I've had like a bad moment as a dad. Let's say I lose my shit or if I'm like grumpy or if I'm, um, you know, I'm just uh, anxious or whatever I can be. I can, those things show up for me. And there's nothing that stops me in that moment from saying, OK, go again. Get up. Go again. New choice, like new decision, like and I could I do that all the time. I do that all the yeah. time. When I find myself angry or find myself wanting to like punish my kids, I can I speak to myself and I call myself the one that I want to be. I call myself to the surface and I have a conversation with myself and then get down, even I'm just using this kids of things as an example. I gotta get down to their level and tell them what's going on. Here's what's going on for me. And hey, let, let's let's start again, shall we? And I get back up and I release everything that happened. And now I'm like right here. I'm just right here from this moment moving forward. And those are like little, I mean, when we think, when we hear about resiliency, we hear about these epic tales, like, like somebody that overcame so much. But life doesn't happen for us in these epic, you know, epic long journeys. They're just, it, literally, it's a moment at a time, like making like deciding that in this moment, I'm going to create myself. I'm going to constitute myself in a way that works and alignment with my vision and alignment with the needs of, and desires of those around me. I'm going to constitute myself like the like I, I think that's like the, the beauty of some of this Judeo-Christian ethic around like, you know, the the I am statements like I like. So my point being this is that I can always generate myself in such a way that orders the chaos around me or, you know, overcomes the circumstances around me. And I'm always hearing, you know, I'm always really paying attention to that and where someone, how they see themselves in, in light of some of their circumstances. Cause that's where you hear power happen or powerlessness happen. Yeah. You know, it's just right. Someone with a vision can never be held hostage by a circumstance. That's right. And when you were talking, I was thinking about Mike Tyson, he was being interviewed. And they said, the guy said, well, I heard you're up at four in the morning running. He goes, oh, no, I'm running before four in the morning. And the guy goes, what do you mean? He goes, I found out one of my competitors is running at four, so I got up at two because while he's sleeping, I'm getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, that's the, it's like, that's the kind of, it's, I mean, you think about that kind of mindset, that's a very tough mindset. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, I'm, and yeah. that resilience is killer. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. And if we, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I'm I'm kind of bringing it back to the ground here for those that are listening and thinking about what that why 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 give a shit about this? Um, if I'm listening, like why? And let's, even to entertain the idea that like like making resilience a part of our core values in our organization or making resilience a part of my core value as a human being is if we don't, what we end up doing, which is so human, is to avoid shit. Right. Like mm-hmm. all the difficult conversations, all the converse, all the dis- disconnection, all the misalignment on your team is due to a lack of resilience I mean, in this way that there's X, Y, Z conversation behavior that's not working. It's better not to deal with it than to deal with it. And we don't want to go deal with it because we don't believe that 
if I don't go deal with it, it's because I don't believe I have what it takes to stand in the middle of that breakdown and really fully get a clear picture of where I am, where people are, where we are as an organization. And I think I'll crumble or I think I'll look bad. I think that there's lots of beliefs in there, what I think would happen if I went and dealt with it. So I don't believe that I can generate myself to meet the needs of the moment. So therefore, I'll avoid it and pay penalties and interest later. So most of the unhad conversations is due to the to someone's anemic view of their of the possibility of generating themselves to meet the moment. So that's my pitch for why if you've not gotten clear about this, I would just invite you as a listener and people that are sojourning just like we are is to give yourself to some resilience. Like I, I can generate this. Like I, I, I've got what it takes. And if and you don't you, know, go ahead. I was going to say, if you, you can just ask yourself, if I don't do this, what do I get? Right that, on. That'll help the project. What yep. am I going to end up with? What am I going to inherit? What do right I get on. to live with from now on? Yeah. And you guys, uh, you'll do this thing, Dan, real quick, chat. You'll do this thing, Dan, where, um, uh, like with some teams, you know, it, it, like asking them to go ahead and tell, let's see, hold on, let me, let me tell the story right. I've heard you do it several times where it's like, let's go ahead and tell the stories of the justification about why something didn't work. Yeah, I do that. I used to do that with the sales teams. You say that a lot better than I said it. Yeah. It's just like, you're going long. You notice you're not hitting your numbers, and everybody's no nobody's talking about it. So I I like to stop the team. Go okay. Let's just meet. Let's just do it now. Let's talk about why we were right. It didn't work. Let's just talk about all the stories that make us right for not having what we said we were going to have. Let's get it out on the table now and see what we could learn now, so we can have hindsight before it comes, and then we can you know it may open up possibility, and it's always fun because people lighten up and. You know, yeah. it's just got to get it flowing, got to get it, you know, get it like a siphon it up, get it going. Yeah. And it always opens up possibility. Yeah. I say that in the context of resiliency and the fact that like, there's something about that conversation of, of like, there's something I won't be able to handle or something, some weakness that'll be exposed or some judgment from somebody else that we're based on results. We're sure we can't handle. So that's why we don't have the conversation, don't take the action. And that's is I mean, resiliency comes back to that kind of core conversation about who gets to decide who I am. Well, is it other people? Is it my history? Or is it me right here, right now? And we instinctively don't want to talk about the worst case scenario because we're afraid of it. But what's, there's all kinds of research on this. I don't know what it's called. But when people are willing to explore the worst case scenario, before it happens, it regenerates courage. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it does the exact opposite of what people think it would do. That's why whenever a client comes to me with what they're afraid of, I go, well, let's talk about it. Let's, what's the worst case and what would you do? And, and the more the brain thinks about it, the more it becomes accustomed to it and is ready for it. And now there's a whole new, it's like, okay, I can do this. If I can, I can handle the worst case, so why not go after it now? I catch you off, Chad. What were we going to say, brother? No, no problem. Uh, working towards wrapping this up. So, um, have you guys watched the video from Jocko Willink? Good. Uh, no, I was going to play it for a second, but I, I think we've we've exhausted our time here uh, of attention of people listening. 
But if you're listening to this, it's so, he just goes through all of these scenarios. Of like, first he's kind of starts military context of like, so you're, you're, you're whatever, your platoon shows up in the wrong area at the wrong moment. Good. And, you know, so he just, and then he goes kind of into, into professional life and personal life, and marriage, relationship, just as good after everything that you would say is such a bad thing. And it's this, it is this lesson of like, you're made for this. This is the opportunity. This isn't the, this isn't the, you know, this isn't the thing that keeps you from the opportunity. This is the opportunity. And they, it, it just reminded me of you, AJ, when you said, thank God it's me. Like, good. This is, I'm glad it's me here because I can do this. Yep. Right on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tony Robbins, when I left with, he, he did this chant, remember I told you, and the chant is, we're going into a winter. Winter is my season. I will not be denied. I am a gladiator. And I thought, I can't say this, but the more I said it, the more I entered the state of possibility and resilience. It was like, mm -hmm. I'm in, let's go. Yeah. And that, as funny as it sounds, you say that a few times, you and I mean with everything you have, and it's amazing what you end up with, you know, the, what kind of state you would end up in. Yeah, yeah I love that. Well, yeah. gentlemen, this has been amazing. So fun. I love, I love that we get to like expand this we could even like distribute this to the team just to make sure we're still on the same, uh, hey. same, same page with our Corbell. And we'll, and we'll fire the people that don't agree. Right. No, exactly. I was gonna say if they don't listen to it, we know we're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your generosity in this conversation. I had a awesome. Good to be with you. All right. Bye, bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.